You're listening to the My NFT Journey podcast. Each week our host Andy Storch will share his journey and newly found passion for non-fungible tokens. Welcome to My NFT Journey. I am your host Andy Storch and this is a podcast where I take you on my NFT journey and the journeys of some others to help you along your NFT journey. And of course, we want to share a lot of lessons along the way. You know, I do a lot of episodes talking about the things that I'm into, that I've bought, that I've experienced, as well as the things that I'm learning and trying to help those who are new getting into the space. Today, I have a great guest that I am going to be talking with. His name is Brad Barrett, and he is the co-host of the wildly popular Choose Fi podcast. Fi stands for Financial Independence. Started a few years ago, and it has become an absolute sensation. He's also an author and a community builder and has just done a lot of amazing things. And Brad and I have known each other for a few years. He was a guest on one of my other podcasts a few years ago. And of course, we've kept in touch and followed each other and realized, I think, through Twitter that he was also into NFTs back in October. And so we started messaging and talking about the things that we're into and what we were buying and investing in and not into and all that sort of stuff. And of course, I knew I needed to get him on this show to share his experience. And his experience is similar to mine, and yet he comes from a different perspective from following different people. He's also very knowledgeable on the tax side of things, being a former accountant who pays attention to this stuff. And he's done some great Twitter conversations and tweets about the tax implications of NFTs. And he is also very, very passionate about the security side, uh, help prevent people from being scammed. So this is going to be a two-part interview. The first part, we'll talk about Brad's journey and my journey a little bit into NFTs and the things we've bought, we've gotten into. And then the second part, we'll talk more about the tax implications of NFTs, as well as the security issues that we need to be paying attention to. And a little bit about some DeFi opportunities, including a new NFT platform called Looks Rare that we both have uh, tokens staked in that we talk about as well. So stay tuned for that. This is a great conversation. You're going to get a lot out of it. Let me know what you think. Make sure you follow Brad on Twitter as well as any other social media platforms and follow me as well and let us know what you think. Enjoy. All right. I'm joined now by Brad Barrett, who is the co-host of the Choose Fi show and uh, a friend of mine. And Brad, I'm excited to have you here to talk today about NFTs. What's up? Yeah, Andy, this should be a ton of fun. I, it's still a little, uh, it takes a little getting used to for me talking about NFTs when I've talked about financial independence for so long. And obviously you and I have had conversations offline about the intersection of FI and NFT. Yeah. So it's cool to be here chatting about. Yeah. And I love, you know, side note, and this, I've done an episode kind of on, you know, one of the benefits, the things I love about NFTs is obviously community. But as I've gotten into this space, I feel like there's a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a brotherhood because obviously open to all genders and it's, it's different than that, but there's kind of a commonality or camaraderie around like when you find other friends that are like really into the space. And so like you and I connected on it, I think early in October, and we've been like, you know, texting and talking off on and off since then, like, oh, what are you into? What do you think about this? Because there's so much craziness in the space and you have to have people that you trust that you can talk to about things. Otherwise, like you never know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I agree completely. And I, I think people like us who have, you know, been around for a bit, right, have yeah. some sense of, of financial responsibility, have some sense of business, right? Yeah. We, I think, have kind of built-in advantages when it comes to NFTs and, and not just getting caught up in the speculation. I think that's what so right. many people, it's like the greater fool theory of like, yeah. hey, I'm going to buy this and essentially find a greater fool to sell it to for more than I paid, 
right? right. Like that is the definition of speculation, right? Yeah. Like, whereas like people like us, I think, like I said, and, and maybe I might be patting ourselves on the back a little bit too much, but I think we have an advantage of you think long-term. Mm-hmm. You, like I said, you understand business, you understand financials, like you understand utility. I think if all of us in the NFT world looked at life through that lens, I think we, I think you'd see a lot better decision-making. Yeah. And it might change the the image or brand of the NFT world as well. It's not that it's bad, but I think there's, you know, a lot of people might look at it and they go, it's a bunch of, you know, 20 something dudes sitting in their basement, DGENs as they're called, yeah. right? Trading, flipping pictures of apes and other things. Whereas, you know, you and I are, you know, we're over 40, we run businesses and podcasts, we're parents, like we have other lives outside yeah. of NFTs, but we happen to be also very interested in this space because we're so excited about all the opportunities there. Yeah. Yeah. And that hits on it perfectly. Right. Like I think about how many hours I've spent over the last year, because I really got into this whole world, or at least was aware of it about a year ago. It was probably about 13 months ago. And I mean, I've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours just trying to learn as much as I can, just trying to be a sponge and be intelligent and not get caught up in, you know, the FOMO culture, which mm-hmm. it's hard to do, frankly, right? Because it, it yeah. is exciting. But I think. I came into this world, especially the 2017, I thought Bitcoin was an absolute scam. I was, you right. know, I had the Warren Buffett, Rat Poison, Squared or Charlie Munger mindset. But, and, you know, cause frankly, it didn't make any sense to me back then. Yeah. And it just seemed, it was made up and there was this speculation and, and there were no fundamentals. But when I got into an understanding of Ethereum and how essentially 95 to 99% of activity that's happening on any blockchain is happening on Ethereum and then seeing all this NFTs and, you know, just understanding, oh, wow, there's actual utility. There's a real economy happening here. Yeah. Like that just intrigued me. And it's said, like, clearly something is happening here that I need to pay attention to. And I just can't stick my head in the sand anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to back up and talk a little bit about your journey into NFTs and, and what you're excited about and maybe a couple of projects you've invested in. And then of course, I also want to talk to you about the tax implications of NFTs, because I know you are an accountant or a former accountant as well. But before we get to that, how did you get into NFTs? I know you mentioned you looked at crypto maybe in 2017, but how and when did you get into the NFT space? Yeah. So I, I did go back and just kind of look this up real quick. So it looks like July 2nd, 2021. So we're not talking that that long ago in the grand scheme of things. I guess yeah. it's about, about six months ago from when we're recording this, almost seven months. Yeah, I heard a modern finance podcast with Kevin Rose mm-hmm. and the DC investor. So they were just kind of doing a roundup and they started talking about this thing called Punk's Comic. Oh, yeah. All right. So later to be known as Pixel Vault and MetaHero and all this stuff that, that a lot of your listeners may have heard about. But Back then it was, there's this comic book and there were 10,000 identical issues of it. And, you know, that in and of itself didn't pique my interest all that much, even though I was a comic book collector way back when, but they started talking about these interesting mechanics of, wow, there's this vault. And that's what the pixel vault came from. There's this vault of 16 crypto punks and a whole bunch of other artwork that's in there. And you as an owner of this comic, you're going to have this decision to make this like game theory type decision to make of, do you keep it? Do you burn it? And each one had different benefits. And I'm like, that is cool. That is just fantastic. So I like, so that was July 2nd on July 6th. So four days later, I bought my first punk comic 
And then the very next day, July 7th, I bought another one. So yeah, I had, and that, you know, for me at the time, those were like mind bending amounts of money. It was like, so it was 0.699 ETH was my first one. So I was like, okay. you know, whatever, 1800 bucks, give or take. And then the yep. next one was one Ethereum. It came the very next day, it went up 40%. So I'm like, uh, Whoa. Which and if is I remember crazy. early July, it, it had come down from the high, it might've been around 3000, something like that. Right. Yeah. Right around there. And, but yeah, you know, the price of that comic went up 40% and, you know, there was a whole bunch of news going on then. And I wound up getting in and, and getting a couple more, a handful of days later. So yeah, I kind of jumped right into it. That's amazing. And those punks comics today, as we record this in, in mid January, what are those worth? I know you had the option to burn them. Uh, or keep them. So what have you done? Yeah. So I wound up ultimately buying six of the comics. Okay. So I still hold two and I'm staking them for these punks tokens. And that's actually part of that vault that I mentioned. I went up burning three of them for the Pixel Vault Founders DAO. And then I went up burning another one for what's known as the Moon DAO token. There's this whole planet set, as you you know, I'm yeah. sure, Andy. So yeah, that's ultimately what happened to the six of them. But yeah, I mean, there are, depending on the day and depending on the uh, the FUD that's going on with the project, the each of them are worth somewhere between five and eight ETH. So yeah, bought most of them for around one each, mm -hmm. and yeah, they five to eight eight X, if you will. That's awesome. So I've introduced you to my friend Bennett Phillips, mm -hmm. who's been on this podcast in the past. And he and I both got into NFTs probably in May and in early July, you said July 2nd. So a couple of days later, I was actually at his house in Tennessee. We were on a summer road trip and we were talking about different projects. And from that, we ended up creating a, a shared wallet. We each had our inner, in our own and then that shared wallet. And that's what we used to buy. We had bought one Punks comic and one Dow and one Mint Pass, I think. So we had like one of each. And nice. I, I think we probably got those around... I want to say two ETH each, something like that. And then, you know, they went up from there to six or whatever you mentioned. There was a great find by him and really cool to see what they were doing. And I can see what attracted you to that. But it's still scary making that first purchase. And you did a pretty big one. I'm curious, did you already have Ethereum? Did you also learn how to buy ETH at that time? What did that look like? Yeah, that's a good question. So yeah, I had already started kind of stacking some Ethereum at that point. So I guess my real journey into the crypto world started in December, the December prior to that. So December, 2020, mm -hmm. I had started listening to some Tim Ferriss podcasts on it then got into the Bankless podcast, which I absolutely love. Those guys mm -hmm. are great. And if you listen to Bankless or if anybody knows, they're very pro Ethereum. So I might've been, you know, drank the Kool-Aid a little bit, but again, I like to think that with all kind of my life experience and understanding of the financial world, like that actually made sense to me. Whereas like Bitcoin never has. Bitcoin is mm -hmm. always akin to, and this is not to rag on Bitcoin, obviously, right. but Bitcoin was always akin to gold to me. Yeah. And I don't like gold in right. real life for investing purposes because it just sits there and it's inert, right? And like, yeah. you know, it doesn't have any utility. Whereas again, Ethereum to me, and I heard Justin Drake from the Ethereum Foundation on Bankless and that one podcast episode on ultrasound money changed my entire life because I was like, oh, all the pieces fit. Like EIP 1559, the merge was happening and, you know, seeing all this utility potentially for NFTs and all of DeFi happening. I'm like, this is just, this is self-evident to me, right? Like it was preordained essentially. It was uh, built-in utility and all of these things happening with the actual ETH blockchain. I was like, yeah. okay, 
again, this makes sense to me. This is something that I can at least build a thesis around. And yeah. I might be wrong, right? Like, just right. like I might be wrong with Pixel Vault and, you know, I've continued to go all in on them, but like, yeah. at least it's something I can build a thesis around of, I see the utility, I see where this can go. And obviously things succeed and fail, right? right. In life, businesses yeah. succeed and fail all the time. And you just make the best decision you have with the information at the time. And that, I think that's kind of how I've approached this. So I've tried to approach it with like a more intelligent and adult thought process, you know, yeah. than just, Hey, I'm going to flip this monkey picture, but right. you know, maybe I'm just deluding myself also. Well, I find too, that if you buy something and it doesn't work out, it goes down you lose money, whatever. I feel like if you go into it with a really strong thesis and a, and a good reason, then you can kind of hold your hat on that and say, well, at least I knew why I was doing it. I went into it for a good reason versus like, I got caught up in FOMO. My friends were talking about it and I bought it. I had no idea why. And then it tanked and like, ah, why did I do that? Yeah. Or sometimes like, I, I don't know if you remember, I think it's Oni Force, O-N-I uh -huh. Force. I went up buying one of those and that was the ultimate FOMO. I saw like a couple influencers on Twitter. It was like the day that, it, you know, the day after it came out, I think I went up getting this really cool one for like 1.8 ETH, which again was a huge purchase for me. Yeah. And I think at some point I could have sold it for 12 and I'm Whoa. like, this is the next board eight yacht club I'm yeah. in. And like, and, you know, I watched it just go down and down. If I could sell, I could probably sell it for about what I bought it for now. But like, yeah. that was another lesson. I, I think to me, a lot of this journey is just like lesson upon lesson. And like, you hope to mitigate like the downside risk also, right? Like if this is, if this has been a year of learning for me, if nothing else, like yeah. this is the best MBA I've ever gotten. Right. And, and I certainly am still ahead as of now, like, you know, and fairly significantly at that. So yeah. uh, I still have some room if things drop or, you know, whatever. So again, I think it's a mentality. Yeah. We both made mistakes, learned some hard lessons, but are still ahead and it's a great education. And, and you got it, you and I got into it in similar ways through different, you know, influencers and projects, if you will. Like for me, a friend convinced us to start buying Bitcoin back in January, 2021. And then I started listening to Gary V on his podcast and he was talking about Ethereum and I started buying Ethereum and then Gary released his project in May, 2021. And uh, of course I'm a big fan of his. So that's what pulled me into the space as I was trying to learn everything and, and bought some V friends. Yeah. And that is such a, well, good on you. And it's such a regret of mine, the V friends, because I, so that was before, like I said, before I purchased uh, punks comics. Yeah. But I remember I am a Gary V fan, not as big as you, but a Gary V fan <laughs> going back for years. Yeah. And I heard he was launching this project, but I just didn't know enough. And yeah. like, I remember going to the V friends site the day that it was supposed to launch and he like pushed it That's back. Right. And right. And like, so, I mean, I was there. And yeah. I mean, I was really there yeah. and like, I couldn't figure out again. It was just, I didn't have the information that I needed. I just, right. I didn't have I hadn't done my research. I didn't know enough. I hadn't purchased NFTs, but like yeah. I went to his site, like probably yeah. no joke, 30 times yeah. in that like a couple day period. And I just couldn't figure out like what the heck was going on. The interface, right. like the UI was pretty bad. Right. And anyway. Yeah, you know, it was buggy. It was and really they delayed the launch by a week because they were running into problems and they were like hiring developers. And I talked to several people who pulled out and said, I'm not going to buy it because of this. I didn't phase me at all. I'm like, I'm going in on this, but it was, it was definitely a lot of faith. And you know, I kind of had this, I don't want to call it a vision, but I was like, I'm, I believe in Gary, I'm going to go all in on this. But then still I had that moment where, you know, we invested, uh, I think 10.5 ETH in that launch to buy five V friends, which at the time was about $40,000. And I was like, what are we doing? Like, this is, you know, and, and of course now I regret not going bigger. It just still seemed felt so crazy at the time. Yeah. That's a lot of money. 
That's yeah, a lot of money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's no way to argue well, otherwise. Well, as you were getting in, what were some things that were like big questions you had that, you know, you obviously figured out over time, but you think a lot of other people probably struggle with? Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny because I've been trying to kind of onboard a bunch of my friends and, and really to me, it, it's like just getting your ducks in a row and getting the mechanics down, you know, like how do I go just very simply, like how the heck do I go from my regular bank account mm -hmm. with USD to opening up whatever it is, a Gemini or a Coinbase account and moving it to MetaMask and right. like being safe. I think security, I know we talked about this on our, our uh, WhatsApp chat a while ago and a couple, or in the last week or so, but like yeah. security is a big deal. Like, yeah. I mean, I have kind of maybe gone off the deep end in terms You're, of- You are, I would say like security is important, but you are like way <laughs> out there in terms yeah. of security. You're safe. <laughs> and I'm not like one of these tinfoil hat type people. So like, you know, it, this is not necessarily in character, but I'm conservative when it comes to just like, being smart, being safe, like again, getting your ducks in a row. So yeah, I mean, I, I think there are just so many little things you pick up. Like, I mean, the very first time that I sent ETH from one ETH address to another, yeah, like that scary. was the most frightening thing in the entire world. <laughs> <It's> scary. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah, I didn't even realize like in MetaMask, you know, there's that just copy button, right? Like right. copy your address. Like you don't, obviously you don't have to type the thing, but like right. the very first time I'm like, typing it out multiple times. I'm like, there has to be, I've obviously, I didn't send it that way, but like I quickly figured out, but like, yeah. how the heck do you know that? If right. you know, if, like, so anyway, a lot of those kind of little things, just like the mechanical stuff where like, when I buy ETH now, I use the Gemini exchange and it's like, you can go through regular Gemini and pay whatever it is, 1% fee, right? Or you can very quickly, this is a cool little tip to anybody who uses Gemini is like, you just go into settings, one click, you click active trader, two clicks, and then you go back to Gemini and then they show you a different screen. And it's like that kind of wacky looking candles, you know, the greens and the reds. Mm -hmm. But if you purchase through active trader, the fee is only 0.25%. Oh, so that, and it, there's no downside. There's no cost. There's no, huh. you're not making any decision that will, you know, be unchangeable because once I perch, I put in my, my purchase order and it fills, I just literally go back to settings, click regular Gemini, and then I'm back to my normal, nice looking, pretty interface. So like hmm. that alone has saved me probably thousands of dollars. It, it yeah. cu literally cuts 75% of the fee or more just from clicking two buttons. And it's like, that was something I figured out on my own. I wish I could scream from the rooftops and tell everybody that. Yeah. But you know, again, you, you pick this stuff up and you hope to share it with the people you can. Right. Share where you can. You are a, a, a true financial independence guy, maximizing returns and looking for ways to lower costs. One more thing I want to ask you about, because you and I have been talking about this a lot recently on WhatsApp, is DeFi alternative, you know, things that you can invest in besides just a straight NFT. And one of the things that you and I have looked at and invested in recently is a new NFT platform called Looks Rare, where we got a bonus and you could buy a coin and stake it to get what would seem like unimaginable returns for those who are just out there doing very conservative, traditional investing. Yeah, this is the most fascinating thing I've ever seen, like in my investing lifetime, I swear. And uh, Andy, between the, the security and how crazy I've been, uh, this looks token is probably the only other thing that I've been quite as crazy about. Uh, so yeah, just to fill the audience in for anybody who doesn't know, obviously OpenSea is the 
the platform that we all know. It's for the purchasing. most popular. It's the, sort of the eBay of NFTs. It's probably 90% of trading is done on there. Yeah, easily 90. And I guess a, a competitor came into existence and they're kind of of the community, by the community was the concept. You know, it's a, a bunch of popular and, and well-regarded influencers where were involved in the launch, regardless of whether they developed it or not. And it seems like they're doing all the right things. So anyway, what, what happened was it was like a, a vampire attack, as it's known, which sounds really nefarious and, and terrible. But what's cool about the blockchain is every transaction is available, right? So what Looks did was they, or looksrare.org, what they did was they saw all of the transactions that occurred on OpenSea, basically forever, and kind of said, okay, anybody that's had three ETH of transactions or more, we're going to give these people an airdrop of our tokens. So in essence, we're giving you a little piece of ownership of our business, right? We can't call it equity because of the yeah. SEC and their you know, regulations. Right. And you've got to go, you've got to go claim it. But an airdrop basically right. means if you go push the button, connect your wallet and claim it, then they give you this for free. Exactly. So yeah, I got like 1200 free tokens and I was thrilled with that. They were worth, you know, two or three bucks at the time. And that's a nice little free thing, but yeah, nice what, bonus. right. Like what really piqued my interest though, was that, and, and what sets them apart is that they actually of the transaction fees that they earn on the platform. So on OpenSea, there's a 2.5% transaction fee that just goes straight back to OpenSea and their company. On LooksRare, it's a 2% transaction fee. So, you know, it's 20% uh, off there. But what's cool is as an owner of the business, they give you a dividend. Mm -hmm. So all of those fees that's, that are earned in ETH, every transaction that occurs on the platform, they're all lumped together. And essentially all of it, you know, probably they, I'm sure they reserve some, but essentially all of it is given right back in dividends to all the Looks holders who are staking their tokens. This was mind blowing to me. I mean, this is literally a dividend yeah. of the activity that's occurring on that platform. So A, it's really cool that you're getting this dividend, but yeah. more so like it was just so brilliant. Like I love when people do inventive, brilliant things, right? Like, because what are they doing? They're incentivizing you as somebody who has spent a decent bit of ETH on NFTs in the past. They're gonna say, we want you to, take all of your activity to our site, right? right? And you as an owner are going to get some of this. You as somebody who's transacting on the platform is going to get some of it. So anyway, I can go on and on about this, but the important thing was it was just such an asymmetrical amount of, like just such a huge amount of ETH that was coming back to me that I went up spending, I bought four ETH more of the looks mm -hmm. tokens because again, by the time this goes live, yeah. the first 30 days of the token. So I don't want to, I don't, this is not financial advice. So please let's get that clear. And it's especially not financial advice because that decision was made in the first 30 days of this looks token when there was a different reward structure. So again, like my thesis was built around this, that I, if I did this on day two, there's almost a hundred percent chance that I'm going to get all of my investment back by day 60 in ETH dividends. Yeah. I will be a complete free roll. And then any value of the token is just complete gravy and, and profit. So yeah. like, again, I was able to use my kind of financial independence hat, my CPA hat, my business hat to say, this is the single most interesting trade I've ever seen in my life. And Andy, if I had any guts, I would have put like 
100 ETH in, you know, not that I yeah. have 100 ETH, but right. you know, I would have, everything. I would have done everything I could, Yeah, but you know, four, four seemed like a, an appropriate amount. It's funny because uh, if you look at the website right now, it says, if you go in and you buy looks or you have looks tokens and you stake them, which means you're promising not to sell them, uh, you can earn up to currently as I'm looking at it, 612% APR that yeah. goes up by the hour or down, we've seen it as high as 950%, I think something like that. <laughs> and it has, and it sounds gimmicky. And, and yeah. obviously like to, on some level it is like, clearly it's built into two components, as you see, like they're giving you back some looks tokens. So you're compounding yeah. your looks tokens. Right. And I think that's gonna keep on going down. And that eventually will be zero when all of the tokens are given out, the billion tokens. So that will go down to zero. Yeah. But yeah, what will be interesting is to see how big those dividends are in wrapped ethereum i think that's the part that's totally unknowable right yeah. now it's 354 percent apr <laughs> but honestly if it was 10 percent apr if it yeah. was 15 percent apr yeah i would take a 15 percent dividend on a platform that's actually real and legit right. and activity you're already using like, anyway right to right buy i mean like right. if you had if you can invest your money any of your money forget nfts forget crypto and get 10 to 15 percent you would put a huge percentage of your net worth in it. Yeah. Imagine if Amazon had a token or eBay and you basically had a stake and they had dividends coming back. You right. know, I mean, I looked it up actually coincidentally yesterday. Jeff Bezos is worth $160 billion. Like he's doing all right. But like if they had done this, maybe more people would like invest in the business. It's a whole new way of looking yeah. at things. Right. Because you truly feel like an owner then, right? And because yeah. that's what stock ownership is, right? Obviously right. you are a part owner of it, but like yeah. I see dividends coming into this on an almost minute by minute basis. Right. And that's what's so cool. Like that's the web three type of ownership. So yeah. anyway, I, I think it's important that we spent a couple of minutes on that because it's a really cool thing. And we're going to start seeing more projects like that. We're going to start yeah. seeing marketplaces and real businesses like index coop is another one uh, mm -hmm. that I really like. They're kind of the vanguard of web three. They have tons of index products for purchasing crypto or DeFi. If you want to get the top 10 or 15 projects in DeFi, you don't have to buy their tokens individually. Mm. You can buy, I forget what it is, the DPI index or whatever, right? So like they're a cool thing that I've identified as that can be, that can be something if they are successful in building index funds for Web3, I want to own their governance token because mm. some of that revenue is going to come back to me. I look at that as akin to, to looks rare. So I'm trying to identify things like that. It's a way to spread risk. And I also thought it was funny, you know, the week that you and I were talking about this, I don't know, it was two, three weeks ago about investing in looks rare in our WhatsApp group. I have another WhatsApp group with my friends from business school and they were talking about, you know, there's this new treasury bond and we just put money in to get guaranteed 8% return over the next year, like excited about it. And I was like, guys, I'm over here getting 600%. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little riskier, but let me tell you about this thing. And they're like, oh, no, I don't want to look at that. Yeah, their heads must have exploded. But the funny thing about me, just last thing on this, is that I actually... In December, I opened that exact same thing, the Series I mm -hmm. bonds through the government. It was like, yes, yeah, 7.12%. And, you know, frankly, like if I can, it was 10 or 20,000 or 10,000 a person. So for my wife and I, I put $20,000 in. Again, if I can guarantee 7%, like I know it sounds crazy. It's like a cognitive dissonance, right? Like, yeah. uh, like I'm in ETH and, and crypto and looks rare, but I'm also invested in index funds. I'm right. invested in Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. If you can give me a guaranteed 7.12% on a series I bond, I'll take that for the next hundred years. 
Right. You know, so like, that's the way my mind works is just like looking for how can I mitigate risk? How can I get some return that, you know, is acceptable, right? So yeah, there's a, there's so much out there to learn. There's about. room That's for both so and, and it's good to hedge, but you know, like just in case like inflation goes crazy or the government fails, you know, and you don't get your treasure, like I have Bitcoin that we'll all be using to trade with each other or <laughs> Ethereum, right? So. All right, that will do it for part one of my interview with Brad Barrett, sharing his journey into NFTs and the things that he's into. Hope you learned some lessons from that. In part two, we're gonna be talking about taxes, we're gonna be talking about DeFi, and we're gonna be talking about security. So make sure you tune back in for the second part of our conversation. See you then. Thank you.